welcome to the Midweek Mash Daddy Sportscast. This is MMA Mash, the weekly mixed martial arts roundup that features all the latest news and reviews from the UFC, One Championship, Bellator, PFL and so much more. My name is of course Mick and as always I'm joined at Cage Side by the man that's most question and answer, it's Mr Paul Kerr. Bonjour. On time this week. On my mind. And the ever controversial <laughs> Mr Harvey A. Smith. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, start strong. Here we go. Get it on. Wine on the Sunday. <laughs> on the show this oh. week, some somewhat impromptu chat on a subject to be named from Harvey. Uh, then we are looking back at Bellator two eighty five uh, from Dublin on Saturday night. And then we're looking ahead to next week, which is the busiest week we've had in ages. We've got two events for one championship. Uh, we've got a Bellator and we have a UFC on the one week. How are we going to cope? Let's Lovely find out. Trouble. Without further ado, <laughs> let's get it on. Without further ado. So, over to Harvey. Oh, hello. For a subject I am calling Harvey says. Harvey What's says. Harvey, Harvey says we should watch a video. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's a video that I came across the other day. I found it quite interesting, actually. Because um, obviously we've talked about it a couple of times, but to actually see it from a professional talking about it. Um, so if you want to go to YouTube. Hold on. Right, right okay. Right. Aye. See? See what I've done there? Um, just let me know when she's ready from the tubes to type away so it's going to be nutritionist reacts to brutal MMA weight cuts nutritionist uh, okay so I've got top result seems to be one 10 days ago from fight front fight yeah that's the 13 one minute, 13 minutes 13 yeah that's the one okay so yes Everybody at home that's listening, you can pause now, get it loaded up, and get ready to watch with us. Well, we're going to react to it, but just watch it and then we <laughs> react to it. Uh, right, I think based, so it's a 13 odd minute video, I think what we'll do based on the length of that is, uh, we'll, if basically hit pause, watch the video, um, and then essentially we'll sit and watch this and then we'll cut this wee bit out, so then we can yep. reconvene it with a reaction to it, I think. Yes. That sounds feasible. Okay, let's That's do that. So, if you want to watch the video, once again, it's called Nutritionist Reacts to Brutal MMA Weight Cuts. The YouTube channel is Fight Front, all one word. The video is 13 minutes and 50 seconds long. It was uploaded 10 days ago. So, it's Nutritionist Reacts to Brutal MMA Weight Cuts. Pause here, watch video, come back. Now you've watched the video, what are your thoughts on the video? Um, or about the topic itself, not the actual video. I well, I like a lot of what the guys saying there is is stuff that we've spoke about, stuff that we've covered uh, mm -hmm. in the past. Um, it kind of concerns me slightly that a guy with the knowledge that he's got doesn't have suggestions for 
ways to stop it, ways to cut it out mm-hmm. sport. Um, he was he was doing a bit of fence sitting in the video there, in terms of mm-hmm. you know like waving the finger, naughty naughty, look at that, they're not doing things right. But then, any suggestions for how to do things better? Like he's he said at the mm-hmm. end of the video there, and something that's a great point. He said that education should be the number one tool to combat weight cutting issues. Yep. Educate the fighters yep. so that A, they know how to cut weight optimally and safely, but then B, mm-hmm. make sure they know the risks fully so mm-hmm. that they're when they're deciding to cut like £20 to get two weight divisions done for the starting point rather than £10 um, to go down the wind mm-hmm. division. Like they understand that that extra weight they're trying to cut um, potentially is taking time off their, their life. Um, you know what I mean? Yep. It could be dam- it, co- it could be something that leads to them taking on brain damage. Um, mm-hmm. So education is paramount. But then the irony of him bringing that up is that, right, I mean, maybe the purpose of that video wasn't to educate, but he didn't mm-hmm. offer much education through that video. No. Part of that could be the way the video's been cut and put together. Like he could mm-hmm. have been sat there for hours talking and then whoever's done right. the edit and cut it down to that 13 minute video that we see um, I don't know mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know I don't know who the guy is or if he's got you know like social media YouTube channel whatever himself so I don't know if he's out there offering education um, so I don't want to bag him um, but just that's <laughs> my kind of initial reaction for, for seeing that video that raises a lot of good points I would like to hear his professional opinions on how to do things better Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be uh, actually it would be cool if it, if you could get a proper video from him like educating mm-hmm. you on how to do things better and stuff but I think the way that the video was put together as you say was just basically him reacting and saying oh I you know this is terrible that's terrible um, I mean at one of the points where you <laughs> I think it was like Darren Till um, was it mm-hmm. Darren Till aye and he's he can, he kind of explains like um, the part where he's explaining like where you can get temporary blindness and etc. And then he's just like he just casually sees the like, guy. Ah, he's close to the point of no return there. You're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. uh, <laughs> uh, extreme extreme dehydration is no joke, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and a uh, lot of a lot of MMA fighters, um, they they really push the limits of what you can get away with and. And mm-hmm. actually recover for like a lot of the guys at some point in their career they will have to pull out a fight because of like liver damage and stuff like that mm-hmm. they have to get can't like stop in the middle of weight cut and get rushed to hospital um ah, and put crazy. on evs and and stuff to to try and pull them back because they're they're so depleted so dehydrated that their organs are shutting mm-hmm. it's wild absolutely ah, wild what they he touched upon things that have been spoken about by us and by other folk in terms of stuff that you might try to kind of combat this in terms of weight divisions and stuff mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of my opinion that so one FC like they've got their hydration tests and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, they're pretty strict over there I think that for me the answer is is a kind of combination of that and then what's been suggested for the UFC to implement which is increasing the number of weight divisions so that there's mm-hmm. a weight division every £10 I think if you've got a weight division every £10 coming all the way up for 
like 125 right up to your heavyweights, mm-hmm. then basically a hydration test will then tell a fighter what division they need to be in. Yep. And then it's just a case of having a policy that stipulates what the, the what the, the minimum and maximum hydration levels are um, for the athletes to safely cut a small amount of weight to weigh in at the right weight um, to, to be in the division mm-hmm. that they're, they're kind of choosing to be in. Um, it's it's a pretty simple thing to work out. The, the problem is the education side of things. It's then mm-hmm. dealing with the fighters in the, in the, the camps and educating them so that they understand that right they might get a slight size advantage by cutting some extra weight and going down mm-hmm. but then they're compromising their overall health and they're putting themselves at the fighters are putting themselves at risk of brain damage and stuff because they're dehydrated going into a fight so mm-hmm. it would take a lot of work essentially to fix it but I do think it's doable Aye, there's no doubt it's doable but um, other organisations ready to do that work mm. you know that's that's the question and I, <laughs> I would say no um, because right now they're making a, a lot of money and stuff so they're like mm. whatever I think not Maybe having he's... a proper governing body hurts in Aye. that regard yeah really does actually um, aye you need regulation <laughs> mm. in the Sorry, these organisations need regulations to go by, but um, yep. they don't. They don't really have any. It's crazy. It's wild. Um, uh, it's, I didn't. I didn't really know that. Um, so when he, he was talking about the water loads and stuff, mm. it's like I. I didn't really know about about that. How essentially you kind of trick your body into mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, I've got too much water." That, you know, so yeah, when you think I'm sure I've spoken about that on the podcast before, but it, it's, it is an interesting thing that a lot of these fighters kind of utilise to help them cut weight. Um, mm. But the the thing that they, a lot of them then do, like it's a totally natural thing that's not that dangerous if it's done under a sort of supervised environment. But what a lot of them do on the flip side, once they're kind of moving more towards the depletion phase, so they've done their water loading for X amount of days. Then they're in the last couple of days, last day or two before they actually sort of fast and start cutting the weight, they'll then start drinking. Um, what's the phrase? Uh, I can't remember. No, there's a term basically, it's they drink water that's had the electrolytes stripped out, right? So they because they, they'll start they'll then after the water load and they want to remove all the sodium and stuff for their diets mm-hmm. because they're then at a point where oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. they want their body to stop holding on to water mm-hmm. and so they'll, they'll drink this uh, I wish I could remember the name for it it's like there's water that you can just go and buy for certain shops um, that's got all the electrolytes and stuff stripped out basically there's no minerals in it it's just straight up H2O Um so they'll drink that to basically flush their system and that's where things get dangerous and dodgy because then all of a sudden, well not all of a sudden, but over the period of a few hours, you go from having a health, uh, too much water in your system, but a healthy amount of electrolytes, um, a reasonable balance 
of um, vitamins and stuff, and then all of a sudden you're flushing your system out, and you're de depleting all your water-soluble vitamins, you're depleting all your minerals. So then that's why when guys are cutting weight, you start to see them cramping and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then obviously then it can get really serious for their route if they take it to extreme levels and then you see like organ shutdown and stuff. But I, I think the crux of it is like where there's going to be situations where, where there's extreme weight cutting, th there needs to be people in place who are medically qualified to supervise that. Well... That's something I wanted to ask as well. Like, why do these organisations not have professionals that help these fighters? Like, you know, during weight cuts. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's a, it's a, it's something that the UFC have started doing in the last few years. Um, so you guys will know that they've got their performance institute. So their main ones yes. in Vegas. And then they've, they've got one in China, I believe. Uh, there might be one somewhere else. I think they might have like three now. Anyway, so basically anybody that's contracted to UFC can get in touch with the performance coaches at the PI and they will make them a custom diet plan. They will give them a, a written plan for the weight cutting procedure. They will actually supply them with supplements that are on like the safe list for USADA. Like They'll give them everything they need and then when they get to the event on fight week there will be guys on hand that work at the PI if they need mm -hmm. to consult with them to get them they'll know their step like minute by minute hour by hour day by day like taking them by the hand to get through it but they mm -hmm. give the fighters and the fighters teams all the information and supplements and everything else that they need to get through it so for the UFC specifically like there is some stuff in place maybe it's no ideal but there is some shit in place for it to help them don't know what other organisations are doing to be fair I mean it's it's, really, it's no ideal at all <laughs> like, no you have, it's really no when folk are cutting weight in different countries you can <laughs> you know you can just like fly it to yeah uh, well, it's something at least, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably one of the things where they're ticking a box into it. Like, well, we have thought that they can go and, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think for anybody out there that is like, this is something that's genuinely interesting. Um, or if there happens to be any like fighters listening, or uh, you know, like, at an amateur level or whatever, or, or coaches, coaching staff, that sort of thing. Sort of love him or hate him for some of the stuff he says, Mike Dolce. That, that guy's a goldmine for stuff like this like go back and listen to some of the po podcasts that he's been on watch mm -hmm. some of the older videos in his YouTube channel um, get his his, uh, his his books that he's written that, that he's got a lot of information that you can get right or wrong that you can get your hands on for free pretty quickly and easily um, obviously there's right ways of doing it like you, you can pay him a consultation fee and you can speak to the man himself you can pay for his books like hardback, paperback or um, like the like through the Kindle store or whatever you're getting your kind of ebooks um, you, you can do it the right way or a bit of googling, you'll be able to download some shit for free you can pick out bits of information for his old YouTube videos and all that sort of stuff but most of what I know on, on sort of weight cutting and stuff like that comes for information that he's put out there um, mm -hmm. and he's got a phenomenal track record 
for getting fighters through weight cuts healthily. Johnny Hendricks mm -hmm. is one that I would point to a lot. So he's a guy that was featured in that wee video we just watched. Johnny Hendricks really struggled with his weight cutting through most of his career. Um, he was a guy who was, I think, five foot nine, fighting as a welterweight, which should be fine, right? He doesn't have a massive frame. He's not massively tall. He should have no issues, in theory, fighting at welterweight, right? Obviously, there's some people, like myself, I would be one, who's height-wise, whatever else, um, but you know, like they should be in a lighter weight, but either maybe a wee bit rounder than <laughs> some. But no, like just like kind of funny as a side, I'm genuinely bigger built than other people mm -hmm. my height. I would really struggle, even if I was in phenomenal athletic shape, I would really struggle to get down to lightweight or whatever, right? But Johnny Hendricks is a guy that you look at him, he should be able to get to welterweight and no bother. But he used to really struggle. He then started working with Mike Dolce and he went through a period, the peak of his UFC career, where he had kind of four or five fights. He was working with Mike Dolce. He was making weight very easily for each fight and he was coming into his fights with tons of energy. Um, he was strong, he was explosive, everything else, everything he needed to be and he was winning fights and it, that got him all the way to fighting George St. Pierre for the title. Mm -hmm. Then there was some kind of fallout and he stopped using Mike Dolce. And then from there, he went on a dreadful run, a missing weight, and looking ill at weigh-ins that led him to mm -hmm. moving up to middleweight. And then even at middleweight, he didn't look good in the scale, and he was struggling, and nothing was going right. Now, he sh him and his team, he should have been able to pick up lessons mm -hmm. from working with Dolce, and he should have known the right things to be doing. Yep. Um, so I think there was a lot going on there in terms of the mentality of what was happening. Um, he, Johnny Hendricks is a guy that um, he used to blow up like Ricky Hatton style. He would blow up between fights. He would eat whatever he wanted when he wanted and he would get chunky. He would be like well over 200 pounds um, between fights. So he's, you know, he's, he's walking around 50, 60 pounds heavier than where he's trying to be fighting it. Um and, mm -hmm. and this is then like a cycle he's, if he's fighting three times a year like his weight is going up and down and up and down and that is not healthy man yo-yo yo-yo uh, dieting basically mm -hmm. and uh, I think that might have been one of the issues um, in terms of Dolce because so maybe I should elaborate a wee bit more like Mike Dolce's approach has always been diet first so he mm -hmm. promotes having like a healthy diet year round Yep. and having like a kind of stable base for where your weight's at and knowing this yo-yo mm -hmm. shit and then from there he uses um, this kind of tried and, tried and tested process that works diet first and he's got a book that you can get it's called Three Weeks to Shredded um, mm -hmm. and that's effectively like a journal of him going through a weight cut process right and it gives you like uh, dietary suggestions and stuff. So basically the idea is you adjust what is in this book slightly to your own tastes and requirements in terms of your diet um, and mm -hmm. your own portions and stuff. And then that tells you like, right, so at this point, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, let's say 20 days out for the fight, you want to start cutting out this, this and this and make sure you're getting mm -hmm. plenty of this, this and this. And, and it was broken down like that so it gets you to the point where you're coming into fight week very close to your fight weight 
And then he's mm-hmm. got this philosophy of um now I'm not gonna do this justice, so I would I would urge anybody that's genuinely interested to, to go and look up his stuff. But he's got this philosophy of getting below your your uh, the weight that you've to weigh in it. So like mm-hmm. if you need to be hundred well, if you're fighting at one seventy, so you need to weigh in at one one seven one, then he'll have you hit right. like one one six five, one six six. Mm-hmm. A few hours before you're weighing in. Right. So at the point where his fighters step in the scale, they've already started to rehydrate. They've got mm-hmm. like extra time to rehydrate before the weigh in and before the fight that other fighters don't have because a lot of fighters are cutting weight right up to the point that they step in the scale. Whereas mm-hmm. his guy, his guys are walking up to the scale, sipping on a bottle of water, like they're already starting to rehydrate, and they're happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it means that there's less a need to focus on like an IV to rehydrate because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's no as extreme. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to spend too long on it, but um, his philosophies <laughs> on it are very interesting. So there. Aye. Sounds interesting. Um, so it does. Um, there's a part of the video that I thought was maybe cut out. Um, okay when he was talking about females, mm. but obviously he was talking about Chris, and he was mm. saying uh, it's extremely um, bad for females. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I think he's kind of talked about that a bit more, but they've just said that's... Possibly. And discussed uh, it there, uh, I, think it, I, I think that he was probably going to allude to the fact that, you know, if, the, if they were to have a baby, then that weight cutting might affect that. The, uh, that's one yeah, thing I, um, but mm-hmm. females just from a biology standpoint females uh, have a need to have a higher body fat percentage than males and mm-hmm. um, I believe the hydration levels are higher as well partly because of the higher fat content they'll hold more water so like yep. water retention is more of a thing for women um, distilled water is that what you were talking about distilled water uh, Aye. could be Aye, that sounds right. Aye, it might be just aye. So it's aye. It's by water's been distilled. Sorry, that just came to my head. I think that's right. Aye, right. um, <laughs> that's a thing you can go and buy. But like, I mean, anybody, again, anybody that's listening, that's interesting, their stuff don't. Um, that's not a great <laughs> route to go. Um, if you, if your weight cutting requires distilled water to flush out your system, then you've did your weight cut wrong? Basically. Did something wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, aye, so uh, like aye, it's the weight cutting process is more dangerous potentially for women. I mean, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't have the required knowledge to kind of break that down any further than that. Mm-hmm. Paul, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I think my overriding thought with the way he can end the video no really offering much a solution suggests that he mm-hmm. doesn't believe people are into a solution mm. it'll take until no, somebody dies from a, weight, from a weight cut until there's actual active change within mm. professional fighting mm. that's that's what it's going to come whether it's a girl passing out and dying or whether it's a man with liver failure who dies in the build up to a fight that's, that's what it's going to take and until then I'm afraid lads there's zero going to change absolutely nothing mm. like Talking about it and discussing the risks of it, fighting is a fighting in general, top level fighting still is this kind of coliseum sort of attitude 
mm. that fighters are expendable and they're making a lot of mm. money, so it's all good. Yeah. Without thought for the long term sort of risks involved in mm-hmm. fighting professionally for money. I mean, obviously, you're doing something that's going to cause concussions through your life, potential issues towards that. Like, so it's I think it's just accepted as part of the risks, which isn't it? The suggestion that changing the weight, the weight classes, I think he said, well, it just leaves more weight classes out there for folk to try cheat into be cutting weight, silly. Probably the answer, Aye. I think, in general, is the, the hydration thing. Yep, yep. The the, the cheating mm-hmm. cheating the scales through the high hydration thing is is the most obvious way to try and get a win. Mm-hmm. But will will organisations move away from move towards that and move away from allowing that? I don't know because then there's a lot of fighters who will lose their ability to cut weight to get into their preferred weight class in which they dominate, mm-hmm. and that makes folk a lot of money at the sad end of the day. Really. Mm-hmm. That's that's gonna be that simple. There's there's right. two big. T- I've got two big takeaways for what you just said there, and I agree with pretty much everything you've said. Mm-hmm. The two big takeaways are the fighters by many people are seen as fighters first, human second. Unfortunately, aye, yeah. aye, yeah. And the other thing is money. Again, MMA mm-hmm. is a business first, sport second. It, yep. Yeah. Viewpoints, standpoints, opinions need to change first and foremost before the, the issue can really be tackled. I think is the the thing we're coming away with. Aye, aye, mm-hmm. that's, that is that really, aye. Fire welfare is sadly way down the list. Mm. Yep. So, of been. course it is. And what you said there, Paul, is 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 correct. I think like it will take somebody to get either die or seriously like, come close to it and have life-changing. Aye, aye, um, aye. You know? At least something life-changing, Harvey. Like, well, I mean, it's no, obviously being it's, a bit ill is not going to be enough. Aye. Obviously it has happened before where a fighter has died because of weight cuts. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't obviously I don't want anybody to die in those circumstances. But if it was to happen at say the UFC, yep. that's when it's gonna get talked about more because it would need that to be something high profile, the why? Creme right. de la creme of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. So if it happens there, that's when folk are gonna be like, Oh shit, we need to change something, we need to do something. And that's just the way it is. Like, and it's sad. It really is. Yeah. Um, uh, all they think about is their money. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the organisations, it's themselves. Like, it's. Uh, you would probably need it to be somebody American as well. By the way, like, it would need to be. It would need to be high profile and American. Like, mm-hmm. it would need to be somebody of of that kind of right. like. Where a senator steps in and says, "Whoa, whoa let's take yeah. this up to Congress," and aye. Uh, which is a shame, but aye, that's that's okay. what we need to argue. If it's if it's some Brazilian boy who's grew up in the slums like Charles Oliveira, well, all his backgrounds a bit sketchy. He doesn't. He, we need to educate folk, and that's all it would be. There wouldn't be whole scale change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there would be that old kind of platitude of our oh, thoughts and prayers, education for people in lesser backgrounds, mm-hmm. and the favela shite. Like that's that's what it would come down to, sadly. Yeah. Aye. Well. I don't know if this is your podcast, Michael, but I dare say we should move on <laughs> <laughs> before we go uh, way it's, deeper than we already are. <laughs> um, it's a black hole of a subject, so it is. Aye, I think we just leave it there rather than continuing on. And with, I mean, but aye, we're, we're driving without headlights with that. We're um, <laughs> the idea where we're going at all. 
Um, it's an interesting subject, but definitely a black hole. Mm-hmm. So, aye, let's move on. If anybody's got any thoughts or questions on that, I'd love to hear them. Um, so you, you can reach out to us on the socials, or you can contact us through the website, midweekmashtatty.com. So, moving on, let's do a wee recap of Bellator Dublin, or Bellator 285, from Saturday night, September 23rd. It was at the 3am arena in Dublin, Ireland. And... My thoughts on this one are basically that we just look over the main card pretty quickly. Um, I don't want to spend too mm-hmm. much time on it. Um, and just the way I've structured and the fights that were on there, um, I don't think there's too much to cover on the undercard anyway, so I'm not missing out too much. One note before we get into it, I was pretty close to no one to talk about this at all. Um, and it was pretty petty in my part, but I really struggled to, to watch this and it pissed me off, I've got to say. Um, for a while, I was quite high on how Bellator had made this deal with BBC and it was great for MMA in the UK. It was really easy to watch it. There was no excuses not to watch it. I really bloody struggled to watch this this weekend. I, I don't know what they mm. do. I don't know who, if it's Bellator I should be blaming or if it's BBC. Probably BBC. But... Um, Come Sunday when I went to... Uh, no, sorry. So this was on Friday, uh, Friday night, no Saturday. I've just realised what I've said. Um, so come Saturday afternoon when I was trying to watch this, BBC's website would have you believe the event didn't take place. There was nothing. Mm. And I'd, I have no idea why. Um, it was really strange. It was as if it had been taken down more than anything else because if you Googled it, there was a page that would pop up in Google for the event on BBC iPlayer website thing and then when you click through to it um, the BBC would just show you a message saying sorry this page doesn't exist so there was something strange mm. going on man I don't know what the deal was but I had the attitude for a brief period of time where I was thinking do you know what fuck you BBC and fuck you Bellator I'm not talking about it <laughs> I'm not getting any coverage because <laughs> it just really miffed, miffed. I was really it. but um, anyway I've got over it got over myself I'm going to be more mature than that uh, and we're going to talk about the main card. So, main card opener was Kieran Clark defeating Raphael Hudson via submission. A really like a joke. Then we had Mads Barnell versus Pedro Carvalho. Carvalho wins via unanimous decision. Then we had Liam McCourt versus Diana Silva. McCourt picked up a unanimous decision win. Then co-main event was Yuel Romero defeating Melvin Manouf via a ground and pound KO we will come back to this in one second and the uh, main event was Benson Henderson defeating Peter Quayle via unanimous decision so main event first because I think that'll be quicker uh, basically Benson Henderson back in form he just totally outclassed Peter Quayle never looked in doubt did it? no mm-hmm. just in the slightest looked he, he looked back to his UFC days man he, he looked really good and Peter Quayle had nothing for him unfortunately for him Ah, it looked like a guy who was a top level MMA fighter against somebody that didn't belong on the stage. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I think that's been the best way to describe his performance. Which is a shame because he had a, he had a fantastic home crowd kind of backing him. Yep. But mm-hmm. he, he just was, there, there are levels to the game, unfortunately, and he is not of the, the top level. I noticed that he's obviously had his win against, is it Patricky Pitbull he beat, wasn't it? In America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. 
and then he looked very ordinary in Ireland. I don't think he should play in Ireland anymore. It's a bad. <laughs> Uh, does he see me bring the best out of him in front of his own? I don't know if it was a pressure thing or if, if uh, just, Henderson was maybe just that good on the night. I don't know. But he doesn't see me do well uh, in a home game. Aye. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, aye. to say, like, but I totally levels the game. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Benson's uh, a top level fighter. Yes, right? yes. He's, 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 he's got the potential to do a world first um, he is a guy who is a former WEC champion and a former mm-hmm. UFC champion mm-hmm. so if he can get his hands on the Bellator belt he would be the only person in any weight division male or female to accomplish that feat of having a belt in the three organisations and then he can go to one FC and get <laughs> well <laughs> What he's actually saying, I don't know if you saw this in like his pre-fight interviews and stuff. He's go, he renewed his contract recently. It was a four-fight deal, and he said that that's he's going to be his final four fights. So he's on a four-fight four four-fight four run, attempting to claim the belt, and then he's 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 going to bounce. That's him, because his missus is fighting she's I think she's now signed uh, to Bellator so she's fighting in Bellator as well so so she's pro pro now signed with Bellator so he wants to basically give her the chance to have a a run at it he's like 37-ish he's obviously he's he's been a champion in other organisations so for him he's more or less achieved his goals he'd love to win the Bellator belt before he finishes but he's kind of ready to Take a back step and let Harvard get cracked it, which is pretty cool. I thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Classy. Mm-hmm. Um. So I kind of all the best to him. Um. It's probably a good time with the state of the current state of the lightweight division and the Bellator. This is probably a good time for him to make this final push. And if he, if he had a, a chance to win the lightweight title, this is, it would be now kind of thing. So aye, interested to see where it goes. Uh, right, the big talking point from Bellator was, for me anyway, was Yuel Romero and Melvin Manoff. I don't know how much you guys have seen of uh, Melvin Manoff over the years, but he's a he's a guy I've been a fan of for a long time. Um, he turned pro as a kickboxer way back mid nineties, mm. and he. So I've told the story before about me getting into MMA, but something that I've probably not went into quite as much is how big a fan I was of kickboxing prior mm-hmm. to really getting into MMA. Um, there, there used to be, well, I think, there's, I think the channel still exists, but it used to be a little better. Uh, but there's a channel in, in the UK called um, British Eurosport, I believe it was cried. And uh, they used to, in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, uh, you, you could get that channel on Sky and they used to show a lot of the, the uh, K1 events. Um, mm-hmm. and they used to show there was a, another organisation it was like it was a European organisation I can't remember what it was called um, it was one of these kind of letter jobs like WF something or other L and what, I, what, I can't remember what it was but there was another organisation that used to routinely show so at that point kickboxing was really accessible and I I, I get into kickboxing more than I was into boxing at that time and Melvin Manoff was a guy that was really coming up at that point that was kind of the peak of his 
sort of around 2000, 2001, is kind of the peak of his kickboxing career before he, he went full time in MMA. Um, so I've been watching him for back then. And um, mm-hmm. he's he's had one hell of a career, man, with the, the, the names that he's fought and names that he's beat as well. He's got some big wins in his career. I mentioned last week about him knocking out Mark Hunt. Like, for a guy his size to be doing that, that is wild. Like, he looked very undersized next to Yael Romero. Mm-hmm. Fighting a light heavyweight, let alone fighting guys a heavyweight. But, uh, what, what, so bef- the room looks undersized. <laughs> 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 just, see, before, before we get into the fight, that's a cartoon. How, how big did Romero look in this fight, man? He, he looks massive. Was his neck? He didn't have a neck. No, no mm. neck or traps. Shoulders and traps, man. <laughs> Deltoid traps. It's a triangle. He, no, even a bones. There wasn't even like collarbones and shit happening there. Oh, <laughs> He looks a wee 45 year old like what the fuck what, what can I make his supplements is he on man mm-hmm. nah. I want some of what he's taking <laughs> he's got TJ Dillashaw's supplements man <laughs> oh, I know <laughs> Jesus H. Christ he said every one of them is roid 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 did you <laughs> but he's a freak did you um, did you see the <laughs> did you did you see him like directly after he won the fight when he was eyeballing the camera and he was barking. Well, I had no use kind of... He gives me Mar- Maradona vibes, man. It, it was... <laughs> coked Maradona up to the eyeballs. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> when you see the... The devil staring at the camera. <laughs> um, Sorry, mate. I just... Romero looking down the camera, barking, snarling. Like, it... it just, he looked terrifying, man. Like, what a human. Unbelievable. He's, he's, he's the Cuban experiment, man. So, right, aye, before we get back to the memory lane and all the rest of it, what did you think of the fight? I mean, Romero is an interesting way of fighting for me, where he does very little until he does something and then it's, then it's on. Mm-hmm. Which I imagine is why he's never, ever going to the very top of the, the, the like be a champion because as far as the judge goes he's pretty much static for certain points in the fight but whenever he whenever he pressed he looked like oh this could be by way mm-hmm. like, he never fights for a decision no he's not interested he's not interested in, in scoring points he's he's mm-hmm. in there baiting his time just waiting for the opportunity to explode and then it's just kill like that's it like he's, he's got chill and he's got kill that's his two modes <laughs> he's just in there chilling <laughs> until he, he he sees blood and then until his death time he just goes and it's kill time right? he just aye, explodes mm. and it's brutal it looked to me in this fight like he pretty much could have finished man off at any point mm-hmm. he just looked so much better than him aye it, it seemed to have a healthy respect for the striking, as he bloody should, because Manoff is, Melvin Manoff has got dynamite in his hands. So there was a legit risk that Romero could have, could have got knocked out if he was careless in the striking. Mm. But anytime he got his hands on him, he, he was able to just fling him about and control him. It was, it was wild, man. I... 
again, I, I, I would suspect there's maybe no the best gas tank in the Roman Romero. Like when he's when he's fully committing to attacking somebody, like he's no like a he's not like somebody who can just keep pressure on mm. consistently for minute upon minute. He's he's got to fight the way he does because he probably doesn't have the engine. He's no built for endurance to keep up eyes. Ah, like you're, you're not going to see him <laughs> pressurise a fighter for a full five minutes yep. like which means if you can live with him then there's a chance you can overcome him which obviously you see with certain fighters mm. like where they do just tap and run against them but yep. uh, if, if if you've not got that ability you're in deep deep shit <laughs> effectively what did you make of the finishing sequence was that no brutal or just sheer brutality mm. No, when he had him pinned and he was just boff, boff. Just crunching him, man. It's always a thing I'm amazed that he was an Olympic wrestler. I mean, you can see he's, you can see that when he's on the floor with somebody and he's got this epic balance to keep somebody pinned, but the sheer brutishness of the way he hits people, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. He, I, I love the guy. He's, he's one of my absolute favourite fighters now. Like Aye. I used to be, I used to be kind of indifferent to him. Like when he was coming up through the, the ranks in the UFC, but there came a point in time when it, I just sort of started to appreciate what he was as a specimen. Like nobody else does what he does. Nobody, nobody has the approach that he does. He gives zero no. fucks about the judges. Like he just, <laughs> like, like I say, chiller kill. Like he just goes out there. If the opportunity arises he will make an attempt at killing you. If the opportunity doesn't arise, he will lose the decision and he'll shrug his shoulders and go back home. Like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it Which again, it's funny coming from his background as an Olympic wrestler because obviously his, his sport is reliant on the interpretation of judges. For him to win. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's funny that he has that sort of fuck it, I'll just battery attitude. Aye. Which is which is what it comes down to him, like. Uh, I, I haven't actually thought of that before, but I know that's quite interesting. You wonder, like, you yeah, it's a, wonder if he's unusual hu- mind frame. He's had his fill of appeasing judges and try to score points through his wrestling career. And now he's just like no interest. Ah, uh, he's got the kind of Thanos final do it myself, sort of <laughs> mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, so off the back, well, actually not. Before we talk more Romero, right? Because I want I want to speak about Romero a bit more, but. Before that, worth noting, this was Melvin Manoff's retirement fight. He, he said going into this fight oh, that they decided to hang up the gloves um, and this was going to be his last one. And uh, it's a shame that it went how it did for him being that it was his retirement fight, but then at the same time, a guy like him, like he's a gladiator, man. Like This was an opportunity for him to go out on his shield. And it, like the, This is almost a better ending for him than if he'd got a big first round knockout. Because then there would be pressure on him to continue. There'd be people saying, you know, you've still got it, like begging him to like, like fight on. But he's he's sort of done his time in this uh, across kickboxing and MMA. He's he's got over a hundred fights. Um he he's kinda he's earned his time off. Like he's got he's 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 got a gym over in the Netherlands, he's got a fight team, he's coaching uh, like he doesn't need to be taking head trauma anymore, you know what I mean? So Power to him for nah, for retiring close to fifty mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the wild nah. thing is, like he's only like a year older than uh, Romero. 
Mm. <laughs> Which just doesn't make sense. Romero isn't a human. I, I maintain that that man was a bit of something. Else, but the, the Cubans were doing some funny mm. business when when he when he was bred, man. <laughs> he came out. Of, he came out of chamber. Uh. So he did. I ring. I he. I Steve Rogers, Captain America origin story. Some similarity. <laughs> You are when in that a weedy wee guy that just wanted to fight folk and we thought, oh perfect, he's the man. <laughs> come out, come out up here, brute. <laughs> um so I kinda I suppose thank you to to Manoff for, for all the fights, man. Absolute legend. He kickboxing and the MMA. Romero, right, you are Romero. You said that so that this fight was at light heavyweight. His last, this is his third fight in Bellator, and his three fights have been in the light heavyweight division. He has said now that he's going back to middleweight. This actually ties nicely, and this was obviously no plan. The slates because I didn't know what his video and conversation topic was going to be. However, uh, Romero was somebody that was featured in that video that we watched um, because he's had mm -hmm. some issues with the scale during his time in the UFC yeah. when he was fighting at middleweight. He said that he wants to be a multi-division champion and he intends to now go back to middleweight and win the middleweight title in Bellator and then he wants to then come back to like heavyweight and be a, a two-weight uh, champ. Out with his uh, potential issues in terms of cutting weight, he looks bigger than ever by the way, how the feck he thinks he's getting to the middleweight, I don't know. When he struggled in the past, knew that he looks bigger than ever. Um, I, I can he compromise how that's possible? But nevertheless, um, he intends to go back to middleweight. If he can, if he can beat the scale and he can maintain his his performance or whatever, and and make weight consistently, I don't think there's anything stopping him right now at middleweight. Mm. The champion at middleweight right now is that Johnny Eblen, the guy that wrestle fucked Gegard Masasi. Oh god, mm -hmm. I that. Now he's a he's a great standout collegiate wrestler. Yumel Romero's a silver medalist for the fucking Olympics. And he's got next level mm -hmm. genetics. Like, I don't think his wrestling is going to hold up against Romero. I reckon Romero walks through him. Yeah, at 45 year old, he shouldn't be physically capable of weight cutting back to that weight for me, but I would I would accept it to watch him run through that boy because that was <laughs> that was fucking criminal abuse. I love your disdain for that folks boy. that have that kind of approach. To I it. just I just can't deal with it. There's too many of them in Bellator. These boring kill the vibe wrestlers who just drone their way into a win. Like it should, can't deal with it, man. I can't deal with it. So if this is what it means, if we need to watch you all Romero looking. Hellish on the scales <laughs> and looking a bit weak for a week before the fight. I mean, <laughs> is that a, what would you call that? A necessary evil? Mm. I suppose you wouldn't. Necessary. <laughs> like, Joe Romero is it, it's the one big problem with Bellator with some of their champions is that they are they they would make you turn off the TV. They are that <laughs> brutally boring to watch. Like I've never known. <laughs> not ever like <laughs> I'm sorry I totally came for a few Bellator champions there but they were due it <laughs> it's time somebody did 
Did you see? Oh, nah, 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 right, told, told just when you said, right, just when you said about wrestle fucking stuff, right? Have you seen that DC Daniel Cormier said that he would beat Mike Tyson in a street fight what, because he would wrestle just, him. Oh, because he said that's what he would do. He would just fucking grab him, take him to the ground, and just beat him that way. Probably not a bad idea, be fair. Definitely not. But <laughs> Mike Tyson <laughs> versus Prime Daniel Cormier. Is Daniel reckon that he's going to be fast enough to avoid Iron Mike's legendary ability to punch somebody for anywhere out of, out of no one? I don't know. Like, I, I, I need to really <laughs> sit and think about that one, I've got to say. It's a theoretical thought experiment. Aye. Like, he was, he was a, a light heavyweight Aye. and a both, short light heavyweight. Both, well, both, he? uh, both five foot ten, I believe. Aye, mm-hmm. aye. It's a similar so, size, similar to, build. To, uh, totally different build. Circumference, they'll be the same circumference. (laughs) (laughs) What's inside the circumference might be different. (laughs) In terms of in terms of 2D measurements, basically the same height and width. I cut out of them to be a lot the same. The the depth might be a wee bit different. Um, oh man pixelated they look very simple <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel Cormier was a fantastic wrestler but c- c- does he have the, the, the single leg or double leg ability to shoot from out with punching distance in a quick enough time that Tyson can't react and catch him with like an uppercut or something in the way in I don't know that would hurt my brain to try and analyse that, I think. So let's leave that <laughs> one there. Uh, but I'm no I think the, the assumption that Tyson can only box is dangerous as well, man. That that boy had the wild dug in him. Ah, yeah, that was a pit bull. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I mean that does tie. He was back only in. using his hands because that was the rules. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, he was he was a madman. Uh, right. Mental, so he was. But back on to Romero, right? So Aye, sorry. At middleweight. I think the scales is only issue. Um, I think there are, there is guys in the midweight division that would give him fits, like uh, Giger Masasi is one of them. Somebody who can mm. move very well and can strike for distance is going to give Romero problems. Um, but somebody that is like wrestling's their number one, and they don't necessarily have the striking to combat Romero's explosive ability, then he's going to walk through them so I think, I think if he gets an immediate title shot and he, he goes in against Eblin I think he wins mm. light heavyweight up, it might be. light heavyweight the current champ is Vadim Nemkov a better mm. fighter all round than Eblin in my opinion but somebody that again has a grappling first attitude he's a better striker than Eblin for me but still he wants to use his grappling I think he's beatable for, for uh, Romero as well. I think a harder fight than Eblin, but I think, again, he's beatable. And I'm going to take this a step further. Current heavyweight champion is Ryan Bader. I think... He's a light heavyweight. I think a former ah, long-time Romero, light heavyweight, aye, sure. I think he's beatable as well for Romero. Mm-hmm. I think Romero could genuinely be a three-weight champion in Bellator, based on who the current champions are. Doesn't mean that he can... You know, it depends who Bellator puts in front of him from within that division mm-hmm. to earn the title shots if Bellator lets him go straight to the champions I think he can beat all three of them guys aye when you t- three wrestlers with if he goes sh- th- if he goes straight to the champions mm. aye 
Yeah, I would have no doubt. Um, but if he has to work, work up, I don't. I there's a few guys that are tricky in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at middleweight, there's this. What's his name? Dalton Roster or whatever. Hercules. He's a fucking good. He'd be tricky for him. There's there's a few guys at each division that have mm-hmm. some tools that would be a, a, an issue for Romero to deal with. But right now, it just so happens that the three champions are beatable opponents for Romero. Are beatable. Mm-hmm. If he gets, if he goes straight for the middleweight title next to it. He can make weight I reckon he beats Eblin If he then goes light heavyweight mm-hmm. Which then gives him You know Two or three months To let his body fill out again Goes up against mm-hmm. Nemkov If he gets past him He's then He's let his body weight Sort of um, Kind of come back to base By that point Because he's not been cutting weight To middleweight Then he, he, If he then goes to heavyweight Like Romero as a light heavyweight, like how he, how he looked on Friday night, he must have been well over two hundred and twenty pounds on fight night. Mm, he oh, must have I, been. He looked huge, man. There's no way he was light light heavyweight. So he, he could that. quite easily come in around two thirty, easily, um, come in mm-hmm. around two thirty for a heavyweight fight, maybe even more. Like so, he he like he would lose size to some of the like really big. Uh, heavyweights like there's there's guys that are you know six foot five plus monsters mm-hmm. but the current champ again is Ryan Bader who is like six foot two I believe Romero's six foot so I think Bader don't want to be slightly taller and Bader's like mm-hmm. two thirty ish these days um he's a smaller heavyweight so Romero would definitely be big enough and strong enough to to compete with him. He's a better wrestler than Bader. Bader's got decent striking but he's not a guy that's you know, going to dance on the outside and, and use, use like a uh, use distance to, to his advantage. He's a guy that likes to kind of explode and get inside. So, aye, it's an interesting time for for Bellator, and um, this might be sort of legend building for Romero. Like he he might bow out, having went on a three fight win streak, um, winning belts in three different divisions. If Bellator decide to let him do it. Mm-hmm. Pro- probably won't it happen. I don't. Um, I don't know if Bellator will allow it. But I mean, if anybody's going to do it, it's Scott Coker. Like he's uh, got a bit. He's cool, got. Man. He's got like a kind of no fucks given attitude when it comes to mm-hmm. comes to making fights. Like he he would rather have a big moment than a solid division. He would mm-hmm. rather have one big crazy marketable fight than build a, a strong division. So it's possible that he'll do it. Um. Last thing, and it's a throwaway rumour thing, um, just before we move away from Bellator. <laughs> throwaway rumour. There is, it's not something that I normally deal with, but uh, Anderson Silva recently said, uh, obviously he's got a boxing match coming up, but I don't want to talk about it at this time. He, he's he's uh, recently said in, in an interview that he wouldn't mind going back to MMA, back to MMA for a final fight, especially if it was mm-hmm. in Japan. In response mm. to this, Scott Coker has said that he previously reached out to Anderson Silva with regards to fighting Fedor Milenenko for Milenenko's retirement fight, and that would be in mm-hmm. Japan. So he mm. is now, after this boxing match, he's going to reach out again and see if he can make that fight happen. <laughs> uh, and obviously, that's a long way for actually happening, but My. that would be, I mean, Anderson Silva would be getting up a bit of size going against the Milenko, but Milenko was never the biggest heavyweight. So it would be very interesting 
it would be minimal stakes mm. you know what I mean this isn't like a, a, a title fight or anything else it would just be like a one and done for Silver Fedor's mil- uh, Fedor's uh, retirement fight and stuff so it would be an interesting prospect it would be very much a Japanese thing you know what I mean it would be it, mm-hmm. it would be a bit of a kind of freak show type deal <laughs> in, a, in a sense <laughs> just this kind of mad matchmaking that you, you only or historically you only ever saw stuff like that in Japan um, so it'd be quite fitting to have it over there. Um, so I'm I'm really intrigued by the by the idea of that that happening. A um, couple of absolute legends of the sport, so it'd be kind of cool. It'd be mental, like they're, they're, they're like so far apart in terms of the weight divisions and stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. right. Uh, last five ten minutes. Let's very quickly look ahead to next week. So as I mentioned at the start, there's two events from one. Uh, one FC, one championship, whatever we're calling them these days. Uh, they have one <laughs> one sixty one on September twenty ninth, which I believe is the Thursday. That is headlined by Pech Morocco Pechindi versus Tawanchai PK Senchai. Uh, this is for the featherweight Muay Thai World Championship. That will be That's a earlier fight. Bang, man. Oh, That's backed by the semi-finals of the heavyweight kickboxing World Grand Prix. So you've got Bruno mm. Chavez versus Raj Azizpur, which will be a good fight. Uh, and then you have Roman Kriklia versus Guto Innocente, which will again be a hell of a fight. So you've got two kickboxing fights and a Muay Thai fight at the top of that card. All three of them are set to be really exciting fights. Mm-hmm. Then we have on September 30th, so the very next day, we have one on Prime Video 2. So, the top of this card, we have Zhong Jingnan versus Angela Lee for the Strawweight World Championship. That's MMA. Uh, so, Angela mm-hmm. Lee's like the kind of homegrown star for, for one. Um, Mm-hmm. She's a very good MMA very fighter, good. man. Very, very good. Uh, and then that's backed by a couple of interesting matchups. You've got an a submission grappling world championship flyweight bout. Don't know if that's the best way of saying that, but anyway, uh, it's Mickey Musumesi, the mad geeky dude that we have come to love, versus Kleber Souza, mm-hmm. uh, a phenomenal Brazilian uh, Jitsu guy from. Brazil. You then have the co-main of the night is Superborn Singa Malian versus Tefan Ozkan. And that's a featherweight kickboxing world championship fight. So again, really strong card. Um and you know, I could go deeper with the two of them. Like there's the, the whole cards are really fun for both of them. There's a lot of great, uh, really good fights over over a couple of days from one. Mm-hmm. Then two fight, uh, two shows on October first. We've got Bellator two eighty six, headlined by Patricio Pitbull versus Adam Borix for the featherweight title. Co-mains AJ McKee versus Spike Carlisle. Uh, we also have the return of Aaron Pico on that card. Then we have on the same night UFC Vegas 61. At this moment in time, for reasons, there is only six fights announced for this card, only six fights listed. 
don't know quite what's happening. The the six fights are noted as three fights on the undercard. John Castenda versus Daniel Santos, Jessica Penny versus Tabitha Ricci, Rione Barcelos versus Trevin Jones. And then in the main card, there's again three fights listed. Randy Brown versus Francisco Trinaldo, Sadiq Youssef versus Don Shanes, and Mackenzie Dern versus Gionan Yan in the main event. Some interesting fights there, but very odd that there's only six fights listed this close to the event. I've no idea what's going on there. Aye, so, busy, busy week next week, Trips. Hmm. Plenty to watch, huh? Mike, you're basically going to no sleep. Pretty much, aye. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to forgo some sleep. Egg bowl, coffee, robust. Ah, it's going to be a well, sesh, man. At least one's on Thursday and Friday. Oh, no. That's a lie. Thursday and Saturday. No, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, it's Thursday and Aye. Friday. Oh, there you go. Thursday, Friday. Then you get the way on, on So it's basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Between, well, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Three days, four events. Mm-hmm. Plus there's also... Epic. The wrestling. Wednesday night, Friday night, as always. It's going to be a busy, busy week. More <laughs> mm-hmm. telly watching. I'm here for it, man. I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> so, we've got a lot to cover next time out on the podcast. Very much looking forward to it. We will probably have to be very selective in what we talk about in order to fit it all in. But, uh, aye, I'm sure we're all up for the challenge. Looking forward to it. So, if you have been, thank you very much for listening. As always, I have been Mick. They have been Harvey and Paul. And we have had a really good time hope you have tea uh, again on the weight cutting stuff uh, any thoughts opinions uh, suggestions for solutions and stuff like that happy to listen to it um, and potentially feature it on the podcast in the future especially if you leave us a voicemail on the website that'd be cool uh, aye and that is it from us uh, bye driver I think bye driver bye.